Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We made it through the Emissary episode, the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine. We're moving on to episode, what they call episode three. It's really the second episode of season one. It's called Past Prologue, directed by Weinrich Colby, written by Catherine Powers, and it aired back on January 10th, 1993. If you're wondering why we're talking about Past Prologue right now instead of A Man Alone, which uh, comes up next on the Netflix, I guess Past Prologue was... uh, produced first or something it may, maybe it aired first and, and some uh, some reason there's a uh, discrepancy in the airing order on netflix but i made the thumbnail already so i'm not going to go back and change that so we're going to air past prologue uh, right now and you'll get man alone in a couple days but we're joined by modi modi how are you it's been a long time i am great it's it, fantastic to be back yeah it's good to get to get back in the saddle how's uh, how's things on your side you, you're de- wading deep into the deep space nine waters at this point <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I visited with these folks, but uh, it's good. It's you want, good. It's different. Do you want to? Um, you have a semi knowledge of Deep Space Nine. Do you want to just sort of explain your like background with the show? I have watched almost all of season one, and then I got bored of it, and so we watched like, the first couple episodes of season two, and then probably moved on to like I don't know some some other show for sure. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I just kind of gave up on it. So you're familiar with the characters, at least. You're not you're not in oh, Clay's yeah, yeah. position of not knowing what the hell's going on and uh, not knowing that the wormhole is going to come back and stuff like that. Yep, I know all the characters, know a little <laughs> bit of what happens in season one, but uh, beyond that, not really much. So we're going to be talking about Past Prologue. Um, it is the first sort of real episode of Deep Space Nine. So, guys, strap in. I'm going to play an audio clip. We're going to come back. Me and Modi are going to break down Past Prologue. I'm glad you're here. We need you, Tana. I don't think the Federation has any use for my particular talents. I mean, Bajor needs you. If you had the impression that I'm a Federation officer in any way, I promise you, I... I thought you were under Cisco's command. I am, I, but... You see, that's something I could never adapt to. Someone has to coordinate relations between the Federation and the provisional government. At least with someone like me here, Why? I... Why should they be here at all? What right? does this so-called provisional government have to bring them here? I After know. all we fought for, Kira, freedom from domination, true independence, no outsiders, no Cardassians, and no Federations. Things have changed, Tana. With the discovery of the wormhole... Oh, yes, the wormhole. Look, I don't want the Federation here any more than you do, but they are serving a purpose, for the time being at least. Without the Federation, the Cardassians would be back in a minute to take control of the wormhole, and the wormhole is the future of Bajortana. It's bringing ships and commerce. It's making us a power in the quadrant. I don't want to be a power in the quadrant. I want Bajor for Bajorans. I want our homeland back. We have it back. And as we grow stronger, we'll be able to defend it ourselves without having to lean on the Federation or anyone else. I know it's difficult to see after all we've been through, we want it all now. But with people like you leading the way... You we... have adapted, haven't you? Tana, I have put myself on the line for you here. You are finished with the Konma. Yes. Yes, I am finished with the Konma. All right, so 
based off the, uh, the discussion that we had about the pilot, one of the key things that I sort of thought was a, a problem of the pilot was the use of the Bajoran backstory that they didn't really focus on anything that had to do with that. Um, this is kind of the makeup episode for that, I feel like. It, it still doesn't go into a great amount of depth exploring the Bajorans. It kind of just analyzes a very like surface-level conflict that they're having. Um, but I think that it's a necessary episode, and I think that it does a good job of showing the difference in the tension that's supposed to exist amongst the crew here. Um, what, what was your sort of first takeaway from this episode? Yeah, I think they did a good job of the world-building here with the Bajoran they didn't like, they kind of just threw you into it and let you catch up along the way. I feel like, I mean, they would have gotten some of this in the backstory of the first episode, which I didn't watch recently, but um, the whole thing with the the Kanma and that kind of thing is brand new, I'm fairly certain, to this episode. Yes. So yeah. they just kind of throw you into it and you kind of have to just tread water for a little bit and figure it out. And I like that when they do that kind of stuff with it. Yeah, they, um, um, they the the fact that they bring up these sort of Bajoran um, clashes, they're, they're, they're obviously setting up Bajor as a society where no one is really getting along with each other like they can't decide on their way forward and the um an emissary that never really hinted that the provisional government was not a government that represented most of the people in a lot of ways is what this episode kind of implies that it's a government that was just kind of put in place to take over the planet after it's um the cardassians left and everything like that so it's i think the the key scene to me in this one is the conversation that kira and um tana have when he goes into his room and she talks about like oh the federation is here for now because we need to protect ourselves from the cardassians and we need to get the wormhole and we need to go uh bajor will be fixed by the wormhole basically because of all the trade and um research and stuff that's going on there i feel like that's kind of the the point of the episode in a lot of ways it's really just examining that sort of discussion points and the differences that the different Bajorans have and that not all of them are peaceful and a lot of them are actually despised by the Cardassians, Bajorans, and Federation at the same time. Um, I think that my my main problem with the episode is that the the story kind of... To me, it feels like the series is still a little bit stuck in TNG-ness, which is funny because the characters all feel very unique to this universe. And the fact that the story kind of goes in a TNG direction at the end feels a little bit off. It it feels like they they aren't sure 100% if they want to go in a direction that the story makes sense. And they're more concerned about resetting things and keeping uh, the status quo intact. Would you agree with that or would you disagree? Yeah, it does kind of put a nice bow at the end of it that kind of, like you say, is a reset and nothing that happened really changes anybody or anything. Um, I guess you learn a little bit more about maybe Kira trusts the Federation a little bit more than she did, trusted Lee Sisko a little more than she did at the beginning of the episode. So in that regard, she's changed a little bit over the course of the episode. But overall, it I mean, going into this, I didn't really think of her as being as combative as she was with Sisko. Um, at the in the middle of the episode where she's kind of very duplicitous with them, and she's like, "Oh, I'm 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 totally neutral in this," and then like behind closed doors, she immediately like just throws the Federation under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then goes above Cisco's head on top of that too. I didn't really, I didn't really think that of her going into this episode. I kind of forgot that this happened, but um, yeah, she 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 may have trusted a little bit. She may have grown a little bit by the end of the episode, but overall, it it didn't change the character too much. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's the. The big thing about this, right, is that it's it's funny to, after we've watched all these episodes of TNG and all the TOS episodes and everything, to move into Deep Space Nine, like, the the whole sort of story behind Deep Space Nine is that it's the one where the 
um, you know, it's the darker, grittier one. And I always put those in kind of air quotes because I don't, it, this is this is still a Star Trek show, but there's a, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, I mean, there's a huge difference in how the characters react to each other and how they talk to each other. And, you know, the, the Kira and Cisco scene here at the start where he, he grabs her by the arm and actually like pulls her along to the hallway and like kind of yells at her a little bit about like, you yeah. need to get your stuff in order. The, I mean, could you imagine any of the previous series having the first officer and captain or commander or whatever talking to each other like that? It's it's a yeah, very like, unique like thing. Yeah, like disagreeing about anything even was was surprising. It, it doesn't, I mean, she's not the same kind of role as other first officers we've seen, but um, yeah, the the grab of the army actually was kind of shocking when it happened. It was. The, <laughs> the, it was it was actually a little shocking, yeah. <laughs> it, it might just be our, um, our sort of like modern sensibilities. I don't know if like, uh, she's a... Yeah, I don't know, maybe it is, yeah. She's not like some like wilting daisy or something, you know, she's like this military hard-ass commander, so it's weird that I have the reaction of like, oh, you can't you can't grab a woman like that, but it's... Yeah, a, um, no, th- she's the kind of person that'd be like, you touch me again like that and you're gonna lose an arm kind of th- thing. That's, that's, I guess that's maybe they... Maybe they should have had a line like that, right? Yeah. Although, yeah, they should have. They should have thrown that in there for sure. Yeah. It, it's just it's funny to me how how much conflict there is between the characters. It's really, and I think that ties into my original point about the problem being like all these characters are interacting with each other right like this, right? Like, um, really aggressively and sort of duplicitous. There's a scene here where Cisco and Odo hide information from Kira. For yeah. only because they don't sort of trust her uh, going forward. That would never happen on any of the other series. And what makes it weird is that the story feels like it's still stuck in the Star Trek universe of it'll all resolve and they'll all be okay with each other by the end of it. Right. Even though some really duplicitous shit has gone down to get to that point. Um, I appreciate the ending that Kira and Cisco don't say anything and they just kind of walk off. So you're, you're left wondering whether yeah. or not this is good or bad, but... I like that, yeah. Yeah, that's it's, it's a good touch. I think TNG would, for example, would have had a conversation. TOS definitely would have had a conversation going on at the for end. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, what do, you, what do you think of the so far the the sort of disgruntled nature between the characters? I think the main trio in this one is Odo, Cisco, and Kira. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, it, it's it's a lack of trust among the 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 crew that you don't see before, where, where Picard fully trusts everyone on board, and and Cisco for some reason does to a certain extent he gives Kira a lot of leeway um but then later on kind of rescinds it and i don't know if he has a good justifiable reason to do that um i don't know why he necessarily suspects that she has different loyalties behind closed doors and she was maybe because maybe it was the going over the, to the admiral was the yeah, thing that set yeah, him off yeah that could have been it maybe but uh yeah i do like that they had that little uh clandestine uh deal with odo to you know hold, keep this in your hat for a little bit Right, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. I like I like that they were able to do that on the show here, and you're right, that would not have happened on other crews for sure. Yeah, and I think that it's the that's kind of the sort of tension that I'm feeling between the episodes. Like I really like this episode, the scenes where it's that kind of thing where Odo and Cisco are talking behind Kira's back, and they they have the scene in Odo's office where Odo and Kira talk to each other about like Kira's trying to make the decision about who she's supposed to betray and who she's supposed to work with. Um. That feels all very much of the series, where the the plot mechanics sometimes don't feel like they match up with that. Like I, I feel that the the Kira decision here doesn't make a lot of sense to me based on what the conversations she's having with Tana is. Sort of mm-hmm. like her her allegiance based on her characterization feels like she's more aligned with the Bajoran separatist movement type thing. Right. 
and less with the Federation, but at the end of the episode, it has to have her resolve by going back to the Federation. Yeah, she seems to, I don't know, just try to look, try to look cool for uh, Tata. Like, still, I don't know exactly why her is like, I'm, just, I'm still hard, don't worry about it. Like, I can still I can still roll with the, still the terrorist bang. groups, don't yeah, worry. still bang out there in the streets. Yeah, don't, um, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like she's trying to, to represent still, and it doesn't, doesn't seem to work because she's you know like like he says uh like tana says at some point she's she's become quite the politician and she kind of denies it um, right that she yep. has but clearly surely she knows how to play all the sides um yeah it's just it's an overall theme of just uh lack of trust between the people right now yeah, yeah. i mean even 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 between uh bashir's little moments with garrick even it's a little bit of a it, like lack of trust that even even cisco was like we don't need to put a tail on him. We don't need to wire you up. We don't need to do any of that stuff. Right. Like, Cisco's be, a lot says, more trusting be, be than careful. the crew is. Yeah, right. <laughs> he says, be careful around uh, Garrick. Yeah, just be careful. I guess that's I a good think, way. I think the, my subtext reading that, though, was that Garrick is hitting on Bashir was my, and that everyone knew that, but no one wants to say it. Yeah, that's actually. That, that was my subtext for that one. That's actually my the, head um, for that. the, that's sort of the way he was playing it originally. They, he'll stop doing that. Um, I guess they got complaints because this came out in oh, 1993. Really? Yeah, he he was originally the actor was trying to play Garrick as a like sort of, if not homosexual, sort of like a a polysexual or whatever the term would be. Like he's he's just sort of flirty with everybody. Um, that is definitely how it read with with Bashir for sure. Yeah, and I mean I think it. I get, we'll go, come back to this, but I guess this is good enough. Uh, starting point to jump off into Garrick since that we've been talking about Garrick for 30 seconds but Garrick is uh, introduced in this episode he won't be back until the second season and he's a he's an interesting character he's going to go on to become a lot of people's favorite Deep Space Nine character and considered to be one of the better uh, characters coming from Star Trek um, what do you think of him in this episode besides the obvious that he's hitting on Bashir type motivation I actually, I really liked him. I think, I think it was interesting the way he was playing the Klingons. He never, he gave you like a half, a half a second of hesitation that maybe, oh, maybe he is working for the Cardassians still, but um, it seemed like he was just playing it straight and he's actually just, uh, he's an interesting character because he's not trusted for who he is. And even though he's trying to be, I don't know if it's going to evolve later on where he's working for the Cardassians still or is a spy that they think he is, but um I kind of like that he's on the level with uh, with Cisco. Yeah, the, he's he's interestingly written, he's interestingly performed, and I think that his appearance in this episode makes a lot of sense. Seeing that we've been talking about, like the whole thing is kind of about like duplicitous uh, natures and people not trusting mm-hmm. each other. The character of Garrick is always really wonderfully written and really wonderfully played, and that you're never quite sure what he's actually all about. Um, he is a liar of a character like he'll he'll contradict himself between episodes and things like that um he is very cardassian and at the same time he's a different kind of cardassian that we've ever seen where the cardassians are always sort of like um unfailingly polite and stuff like that they kind Mm -hmm. of kill you with kindness um as they're torturing you garrick is more you can if you watch him closely you see how he is if you want to read him as a spy, you can see how he's potentially buttering people up, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't want to see him as a spy, you see him as just kind of an overly friendly, gregarious guy. He he walks yeah. a, a very fine line between the two, and the episode never actually tells you what his motivation is and what he actually does. Yeah, he might still be working with the Cardassians even even after he kind of because he kind of just when he's messing with the Klingons, he kind of just gives them a number as far as what he thinks that 
would he says he doesn't say he's working for the Cardassians. He says he's a he's a businessman at heart. Yes, yeah, and, or something to that effect. So I like that he kind of just was was he's able to walk that line. He is able to walk the uh, the line between you don't quite know what his loyalties are, and that is that it makes for a really interesting character. Yeah, and he he um he's he's very poetic in his writing. Like he's when they have the scene at the bar where he's like I'm a clothier or whatever, and he's like I find Cardassian mm-hmm. fashion or uh, Klingon fashion to be very appealing, especially those two. He's, it's... He's subtle. Why do you think he is, why do you think based on this episode, if there is any reason, why do you think he does what he does in this episode? Um, Well, I guess I could go a couple ways. I thought maybe he's being overly nice because of his kind of tenuous position there of not trusted. So he goes above and beyond and, you know, gets people on his side by just being overly kind. Uh, so he's overly, trying to impress the Federation, it, in other words. To the so. point where it seems fake almost, where he is putting something on, but maybe he isn't. He's just trying to, he's trying to signal more than he, when he's, what he's, that he's on the level with them. Sure. Um, that's the way I was reading it. Or, or it is that he's just really bad at pretense and he's just, uh, <laughs> and he's just really, really, he's a really terrible spy, actually. And he's totally looks suspicious because he's acting not suspicious kind of thing. Yeah, that would be the uh, the other way, right? He's he's not suspicious because he acts too spy-like, I guess would be the uh, yeah. his, his cover. Yeah, I, I think that the, I think that it's odd because I think that Garrick kind of exists in this episode and you kind of recognize him and people who are re-watching it are going to be like, oh, it's Garrick. He's, I think it's kind of a fault of the episode that is not really, it's not really clear what his, uh, even like hazy goals are. I don't need them to spell out what mm-hmm. he's doing, but his his whole, the fact that he inserts himself at all into the situation strikes me as thematic to the episode, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense as a character who's supposed to exist. And I guess at the original concept of this episode, he is not supposed to be a recurring character on the show. Um, really, this, this was thought to be a one and done thing. So I think he makes more sense. Then. He makes more sense thematically than he does in terms of characterization. But um, what would... if he's a one and done here, though, like what is the point of him? I guess I don't understand what he's trying to accomplish with Bashir at the very beginning. Then, like, right. why if he's a one and done character, why is he trying to befriend? Why is he trying to make? If, okay, so if he's a spy, he's trying to make a contact. He's trying to get a, an inroad for to manipulate someone down the road and trying to network and find a way to exploit Bashir at some point. If he's just trying to be friendly, again, I don't know why you'd spend time doing that with a one and done character. Right. And and also not sort of branching him out to, you know, it's weird that he he isolates Bashir and goes to him. Yeah. Um, why choose him? Yeah. Right. Like you don't you don't have another scene of him talking to other people and trying to be friendly like they. No. They, they, it's just uh, on Bashir. And why do you think he do you think there's a story reason as to why he chose Bashir? I guess. Well, the, my original my original thought was that he's attracted to Bashir. Oh, the, 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 oh sure. Bashir okay. might be into this kind of thing, yep. or he sees him and wants to go for it. Um, totally possible. It could it could be it could be as simple as that. Uh, or he sees him as the young member of the crew who will be manipulated. Who yeah, he can yeah. trick. He sees this person as he's smarter than this person. He can he can outwit this person, and so he goes after one of the less uh, knowledgeable crew members yeah one of the things that's been odd about the episode so far is that um bashir is definitely the sort of like naive like 
idiot kind of character. Um, yeah. It's a little bit grating. His scene where he runs in and is telling everybody like he's a 10-year-old child that like he hung out with like, Garrick the Spy. <laughs> You'll that's never a, believe who talked to me. Yeah, That's, that's a really terrible uh, scene for him, yeah. I think. He just doesn't come across well. He... he I, like how old is Bashir supposed to be? He, he yeah, exactly. Comes... He reads. He reads like he's like fresh out of the academy kind of person. This is his first assignment kind of thing. Yeah, and he. he but he looks a little older, I think. Than, than yeah, that. he looks older than that. <laughs> Maybe it's just the '90s hair, and it's hard to tell. I but don't know. um, yeah, he's. I, I think that he's the right character in that sense that Garrick would pick on because he's the sort of naive one who. You know, maybe it even backfires at Garrick at a certain point because Garrick is like, he has to, you know, like, you have to show up at 8.55 to get this suit. Like, don't, yeah. don't, and, don't. And the, the guy he picked is not smart enough to figure out what he's actually talking about. Like, <laughs> we all got it already, Garrick. You can stop. But, but Bashir's still not getting what's going on here. Yeah. 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 I think that the, um, I think that the Garrick character is, is interesting. He's, he's thematically appropriate for this episode and everything like that. He's going to be back and he's going to have uh, more of an impact going forward and stuff. But, He's a case of, it, it's so obvious when you see actors come in and play a character and they play it, it Star Trek's unique in that, you know, they, some of the actors just come in and just don't play the characters well, and some of them do. And it's just kind of, it's something you don't really see in modern television anymore. Like if you were producing this Star Trek show back then, you'd be like, well, we have to get this guy back. Like he's clearly too good mm -hmm. to not get back where modern shows, I feel like the caliber of acting is overall much higher. So uh, I'd never be surprised to bring somebody back. But here, it definitely makes sense that they would bring back, uh, I think his name is Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick, and he's going to be uh, a big part of the show going forward. Do, um, let's see here. We've got, uh, I guess we can talk about the sort of plot in general, which ties into the more Kira and Tana relationship. Um, what do you think of the sort of Bajoran breakdown here the the sort of like the the way that they're bringing the bajorans and how it all wrapped up and everything did you think that tana's um plot made sense um i guess i don't know i i i i think it worked okay i think he, it, it his his motivations here were subtle at first i guess yes they were he, yeah. he hates that it's it's not even that he hates the the cardassian he hates the the federation occupation at this point um which he he reads as occupation even if it is not exactly that. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So he 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 you don't you don't quite pick up on it, but he actually comes to hate the wormhole more than anything else here. I thought that um, was the best reveal when yeah. he his his whole motivation is to destroy the wormhole. I thought was a good thing because I I'm kind of like with you when before it's revealed that he wants to blow up the wormhole, I I was like watching the episode going, what is he trying to do? Like wh yeah. why they mentioned that they go to that Bajoran colony and he's going to blow up that, but then he moves off that and it's like, well, none of this makes any sense. Why is he going to blow up Bajorans? But the wormhole is a good, um, it's a good out for that kind of a story. Like closing the wormhole would reset everything and it would totally accomplish his goal of setting Bajor free from everybody basically. But potentially set it back, you know, decades right. and centuries of progress and and potential you know trading and knowledge and that kind of thing too. yes it, it, you definitely curtail its growth he, which is what's funny is that he's none of the bajorans we've really seen so far outside of the um the pope that they had in the emissary have been <laughs> religious which is odd for a, a culture that we've known to be religious in the past yeah that's true yeah no i don't think either tana nor um kira bring up religion in this episode which is interesting it's 
I don't know why they're not going further down that rabbit hole. You think they would at some point? They all wear the earrings still, uh, which mm-hmm. are religious. So uh, it's curious. Why do you think that they'd avoid religion at this point? They um, just want the action plot sure. to sort of tie in. Might, might be just too much, too much in one episode, possibly. Yeah. Because um, if you deal with that aspect of it, it. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. I guess it's. Uh, what would be the allegory here? Would be like uh, the. Almost like like Northern Ireland maybe would be the allegory here possibly sort of. We yeah. have the terrorists and the the you know the people who are seen as allowing the the Federation to kind of impose their will on the the area. Right. Um, I guess is the idea. I just don't. I just don't. Uh, it maybe it might have been too much to get into the religion aspect of it possibly. Yeah. Because I don't I, know where that would play in to this episode. It, it probably wouldn't. I just, I guess I'm finding it more odd that they aren't talking about it at this point. Given yeah. by, you know, we've spent 10 episodes or whatever with Ro Laren and TNG and it's like all, mm-hmm. all that she would really talk about was the sort of religious aspect of it and we saw an Emissary that they consider Cisco to be their, of their, sure, yeah, yeah. their prophet and everything like that. So they're clearly religious, um, but they have no they have no real qualms about a lot of terrorist activity which is interesting. Or I mean, maybe they do. Maybe he's the uh, he is not as favored among his people as as Kira thinks he would be. Yeah, right. They Perhaps. yes, and they, yeah, they. I think they do mention that actually that they the Bajorans are actually considered them to be criminals as well at this point. So yeah. I don't know how uh, how powerful his movement is. <laughs> I suppose in that case, it's true. Um, I thought that the you know I thought that the the inclusion of uh, Lursa and Bator was a nice sort of callback but I, I yeah. felt it was unnecessary at a certain point it could have been anybody it didn't need to be them it didn't need to be them um it's weird seeing them after we've watched generations where they die uh but they're here and they're <laughs> back and it doesn't really need to be them and you'd think that since Cisco knows who they are Cisco has a very hands-off approach to running the station in a lot he of sure ways does. doesn't want to rock any boats whatsoever no. Where Odo is like, I could just lock them up and call the Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> at which point, when he, when he said that, I wrote down that Odo is awesome. Basically, is my note, my my one note on Odo for this episode is Odo is awesome. Did you, Did you get a good sense of Odo from past prologue? Not a lot. I I didn't get much in this episode. I mean, you got a little bit of the relationship between Kira and him, um, very briefly. Yeah. Uh, and then all you get was a very close talking scene with Cisco and Odo in the one port where they're like, oh, yeah, why keeps, keeps under their hat? They're like, they're like two inches from each other. Why were they? They were, um, they the were extremely, it was, they were uh, extremely close to each other. It was totally unnecessary to be that close. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah, big it office. Happen, guys. There's, there's a big room. You can spread out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I, I felt the same about the Larson Bator thing. It, it's more like, it's like, Oh, that's nice. And you can, you can clearly tell we have a Q episode coming up in a couple episodes. So mm, I mean, they're clearly great. just trying to, <laughs> um, bring fans in from the next generation at this point, which is probably one reason why season one of deep space nine doesn't really do as well. Um, yeah. it's, it's a little too obvious, right? Is that the, the thing to say? It's like, why, why are they right. Klingons that it's like, we know? Here's your cameo. It's 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 uh it's like Cheers at this point or something like that. Where sure. they're bringing in guest guest stars and that kind of thing. I don't know exactly, but I think that yeah. uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty good breakdown of past prologue. It's been a it was a good episode to sort of settle the Bajoran storyline. So I'm I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna play an audio clip, and me and Modi are gonna come back, give our final thoughts and ratings for past prologue. Ah, plain simple Garak. How are you today? Being observant, Doctor. I'm sure of it. Uh, there's a time for levity, my young friend, and a time for genuine concern. The arrival 
on this station, for instance, of those two Konma terrorists. Terrorists? What are they doing here? I'm not exactly sure. But together, we might have some success at finding out. Garrick, I'm a doctor. Not... And once you do have the appropriate answer, I'm sure you'll know what to do with it. I really must be getting along now. Uh, doctor, I think it's time for you to take advantage of my shop. If you'll be there at exactly 20.55 hours tonight, I promise to show you a suit that will make you into a new man. A suit? Hmm. We're talking about terrorists and you want me to buy a new suit. Doctor, am I making myself clear? I want you to buy a new suit tonight at 20.55. Exactly. Uh, yes. I see. Well, if you'll excuse me. One of our runners has been um, titles. What do you think of the title of Past Prologue? Uh, it is bad. It is a bad title. Do you know uh, the origin of it? No, I haven't looked it up. It's a Shakespeare quote. Um, oh, okay. So you are a, a noob in terms of English literature. It's actually a quote from uh, the full line is what's past is prologue is from the okay, Tempest. Sure. I've, I've, hear, I've heard that also in various other forms and other sure. media too yeah. yeah um i deep space nine will take a, a better title game going forward I, i'm not crazy about past prologue it, it's sort of a you have to think about it too much like you have to actually have like a dictionary almost handy to to really crank into it but we're going to give our final thoughts and ratings about uh past prologue um which i thought was a a decent introduction into the kind of friction that's existing on the station i feel like it's a necessary episode for that i don't know if it's a great episode i don't think it's particularly holds my attention all that well but i think that they do a good job of showing you what's going on on bajor showing you all the sort of conflict that the station is going under and showing you how uh cisco and the federation are there to sort of smooth the process like they had talked in the pilot episode about the federation being there to smooth things out and you never really got an indication of what they were talking about um, this is kind of what they're there to fix. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a two out of five uh, because I thought that it, it it's not a great episode. It, it has more of the, it's got some ideas that I think could have been fleshed out and it's got places that it could actually go, but it feels more like it's table setting for the series than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to give it a two. How about yourself? Yeah, I was going to wait and see what you said. If you were going to give it a two, I was going to give it a three just because it, it'll help. I feel like it's a two and a half episode. So okay. it, it's a good episode, not a great episode. It It has... Um, like you say, good. I said, like I said before, too. Also, it's a good world building as far as seeing the kind of internal struggle between the, the Majorans and themselves, seeing the struggle between the Federation and the Majorans. It, it kind of sets up a lot of that stuff, but it doesn't fully deliver on it just yet. So, um, yeah, like I said, I think it's a two and a half episode, so I'll give it a three to to average all the scores. Yeah. Right. What'd you think of the? Um, we haven't talked to this has been the first real episode. What'd you think of the uh, the pacing? Because the last episode you watched was TOS. Um, I didn't notice it much, so it must have been pretty good. It must have been okay then. But I feel, um, yeah, I feel like the um the forty two minute uh, Star Trek episode, like the modern forty two minute minute pacing thing, is like the exact right length of time, sort of. Yeah. Um, I I hardly look at my watch when they're going, and it feels like the thing oh, yeah. just it ends appropriately. It's the TOS had a problem of it like took forever to get to the ending, and TNG. Um, got a little bit better at, but I I feel like here these episodes that we've been watching are just like they're they're paced well, even if not a lot is happening in the episode. They at least know how to move scenes and stuff like that. Yeah, I I would agree with that for sure. Um, 
Let's see here. I think that's it. So you're going to give it uh, two and a half, basically, a three, almost. Uh, I'll give it a two. Pass prologue. Uh, let's see. Well, do you want to uh, plug anything? This is if people are just tuning in for Deep Space Nine. Modi's been with us for a long time since the beginning. Since the you were the uh, you were the one that started it all on the guest train. So do you do you want to plug? So. Let people know about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I got a YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com/slash Modi Apparatus, and you'll have a link to that down below. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitch as well. Starting starting to stream every Thursday, um, and that is about it, basically. How's that going? You know, I think I figured out my problem with Twitch. Uh, you don't do it, but um, I tweeted about it. I, I can't stand all the poor posture that I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't use a webcam at this time, so you won't have to notice any of my bad posture for sure. I Yeah, I just watch uh, I watch people like... I, there was a screenshot of someone uh, who plays Hearthstone quite a bit. And, you know, it's probably like his like 12-hour day of playing fucking Hearthstone. Yeah. And, probably. Um, he's just so he's so slumped and it's just like this dude's been playing this game for like five years at this point it's just like it, it, it just struck me as a little bit odd but yeah Modi doesn't have a, a webcam so you won't see him sitting you'll just see him uh him talking which is uh lively as always but yeah, yeah check out Modi check out his channel um check out this show with the social media links all below in the uh the video description and the podcast blurb you guys know what to do on Facebook and all that stuff only thing to consider is supporting us on Patreon. Um, well, the only thing that I want to get into about uh, talking about is supporting us on Patreon. If you go there, patreon.com slash the Penske file, a couple dollars a month gets you extra content and you support the show and that's much appreciated. And as always, um, I have to give my patron shout outs. These are people who support at the captain tier. Uh, it's Tax Owlbear, Kyle B, Joint Mango, Michael S, Doug V, Tarek L, Stephen K, and Ben D. We've actually had a lot of... Um, New patrons come in since I made my I pled my case in the introduction episode of the podcast. So, thank you everybody for coming on. It's been great too. There's been a, a big uptick in the number of patron uh, supporters, which is always appreciated. Um, a lot of people I didn't know who were listening because this is the first time they don't feel like commenting and stuff like that, which is totally cool. But it's been nice to meet you all, and uh, hopefully things are going well. You can always leave comments on the Patreon uh, posts about episodes that are coming up. Oh, and we uh, I forgot to read the feedback from this one hold on one second let me pull this out now that i'm, I'm overbooking myself i have too many things to read about <laughs> we have a uh, feedback from one of the listeners about past prologue so modi give me your feedback about this kyle writes garrick is one of my favorite trek characters particularly due to the continuing ambiguity ambiguity surrounding his intentions and past at this stage however the mysteries of garrick are there seemingly just because they haven't come up with a backstory yet other than a good odo kira scene it's a fairly dull episode that was surprisingly written by the same writer as the tng episode code of honor this one's not racist so at least it has that going for it <laughs> it, it is written by the same code of honor writer who is apparently a real odd duck um she wrote for a lot of sci-fi stuff and now she it's her wikipedia blurb says she's retired and studying metaphysics so okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what she's up to interesting it's, it's a better episode than code of honor would you agree with that Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, and Kyle, I um, I agree with you. I mean, I I hadn't really thought that it, it felt like he hadn't come up with a backstory yet as much as, as we mentioned in the episode, it feels like they just stuck him in to be thematic of this episode and that he's not supposed to continue. Um, and I think that, that obviously was the intention. But, guys, thank you very much. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Modi, thanks for coming on. Anytime. Guys, we'll see you next time.